This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's political and everything beyond on Beyond Politics. Subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. The weather matches my broken twin's heart today. It is the Matt. <laughs> God. It is the Matt McNeil show. I'm a camper. I'm Matt. Ready to go. Uh, Brad, how are you today? Oh, I'm, I'm doing all right here. How are you, you ice cold monster? How do you have no emotions right now? Because I know the Vikings are going to come through for us. Yeah. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> oh, it's going to be a painful year. Uh, 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. We got a lot of things to get to today. We have no guests, though, so your calls are always welcome. And as a matter of fact, a little bit later on, we're going to be looking for your calls. Ooh, la, la, is as I like to say. Ooh, freaking la, la. Uh, but uh, a lot of things to get to. Um <coughs> We got to start off though with our brand new. We're doing some giveaways here now. The sexy liberal uh, tour is coming back. It is a pay per view event. Stephen Miller sexy liberal tour comedy show, one show only. Saturday, October twenty first. So it's a week from this Saturday at the Saban Theater in L.A., Los Angeles. She is going to be there. Hal Sparks, Frangela, and I can announce that coming up next Thursday, John Fugelsang will be on the show with us. He'll also be at the pay-per-view event, the uh, Stephanie Miller Sexy Liberal Tour comedy show. Uh, they also have a bunch of special guests. Shh, can't say anything. And we are giving away some pay-per-view passes for the Sexy Liberal show. Now, we're doing it two ways. Now, a little bit later on this this show, mm-hmm, listen for your chance to call in, and you will get yourself a pass, pay-per-view pass, so that you can watch the Stephanie Miller Sexy Liberal Tour comedy show on Saturday the 21st, all right? All right, so listen for your chance to call in. But one way we're also doing it, because there's a lot of people that listen to the show on the podcast, they listen to it later, listen on the SoundCloud, on the iTunes, where all the kids are at today. Uh, I remember when there was a day when if you didn't hear my show and you didn't tape it, you didn't hear it. But now you get it all the time. So, But there are some people that were like, you know, that they, they don't listen to it live, so they might not have a chance to win. So we have solved this problem. Because we have approached it via our social media. We have social media at the Twitter, at the Facebook, and for Instagram for AM950. And we're making a special post each day at 9 a.m. If you comment with the phrase you're supposed to comment with on that post, you'll be entered into possibly win yourself a pay-per-view pass to go see uh, to watch Stephanie Miller on the 21st. Now yesterday, this is yesterday's. The phrase was I love Steph. And uh we get around 30 or so people that went uh, Yeah, yeah. Right around that number. Nice. Nicely done people. 30 or so. 
Uh, so I got to randomly pick a number because I don't know any of the. I don't know. You've got. You've kept this. You give me a number. I just got to randomly pick a number. One to twenty nine is what I need. One to twenty nine. Uh, seventeen. Number seventeen. All right. Are you ready for the winner? Seventeen. Yep. Let me go because I have this sorted. Which platform? This will be an Instagram winner, and this is the name. Where is the name? There we go. Elm Mort is going to be our winner. What's that? Elm Mort. Elm Mort. Nice, Tom. Elm Mort. Um, you get yourself a pay-per-view pass courtesy of AM950. Now, once again, if you're listening right now live in Minneapolis-St. Paul, we'll give one away before 5 p.m. this afternoon to take away all those tears that you have for the uh, the Twins. But uh, if if not, we are going to give another one away on our social media for Friday. Okay, we're only, and by the way, we're only doing this Monday through Friday. We should mention that. We're doing this uh, tomorrow. There'll be a post up on the social media pages at 9 a.m. You need to comment on it. Uh, Brett, how about the, the comment they have to make on the social media post, whether that's the AM950 page on Twitter, the AM950 page on Facebook, or the AM950 page on Instagram, is pay-per-view pass. All right? Pay-per-view pass. All you have to do is, whenever we make that post at 9 o'clock, write in in the comments section, pay-per-view pass, and your uh, account will be entered in for the drawing. We will do that again tomorrow as well as on Monday and all you – know, I think we're doing it all the way through Thursday next week, correct? I believe that's I believe right. so, yep. yep. All right, so there you go. There you go. 952-946-6205-952-946-6205. Listen for your chance to win this hour. Not this hour. I don't know. I have complete control over this contest. I will let you know when to call in. Um, I have realized something that I think is a badge of honor for myself, uh, Brett. And that is I have been to what I like to call the four horsemen of the Minneapolis-St. Paul fast food apocalypse. I have been to... Four locations which I would claim are somewhat iconic in this. Now, pardon me. I have to open up my pouch of cough drops because, you know, it's that fun season again. Um, so I'm going to list off these four. I want you, Brett, I want your personal opinion. If you agree that these would be kind of some of the more iconic lost fan, fast food franchise locations, okay? And I really got to thinking about this because of the, the latest one that is shut down. Have you ever been to the White Castle on Lake Street that was right by the Kmart store over by Nicollet? Uh, I have not in a long, long time. But you did go there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have gone there too. a cacophony of smells. How about I just say it like that? Uh, you know, there's a lot going on there. It's a lot going on there. I, I did get myself some sliders there and enjoyed it and left. I'm, I have no. Re- I'm actually more surprised that location stayed open as long as it did. If you want to know the truth, if you really want to know the truth, there were people that I think that actually had to get mail delivered there. I'm just going to be honest with you. I think it just was. There was more of a resident situation I think going on in that 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 White Castle. So there's one of them, the White Castle at Lake Street by the Kmart there, which is now gone. That's closed. It's gone now. Number two, the McDonald's in Dinkytown. Did you ever go to the McDonald's in Dinky? Yeah, I've been to that one. Nicely done. Two for two there, Brett. Uh, I remembered two people having sex in the upper booth of the McDonald's there at Dinky Town. Because you know what? When I'm thinking of Big Mac, I think of Moray. That's what I think. 
That is <laughs> that is two all beef patties, isn't it? Right there. <laughs> Take it. They didn't have a kids' play area. That no, time at the, uh, this was before they could supersize things. Needless to say, you know there there's pills and doctors now. You can talk to them about these things. Yeah. Uh, but no, that was that was uh, the playland going on up there. Yeah, uh, that's for sure. It sounds like yeah. um, mm, hot apple pie. Oh, ah, ah. I have eaten at the Dinky Town McDonald's. Number three on your hit parade. Uh, would I, it, it, this is this is a little bit of a deep cut, but we'll have to see if you go there. Uh, this would be the Burger King that used to be in the North Star Center downtown. You remember that one? Did you ever go to that one? Uh, not at all with that one. Oh, did you just not go to Burger King's? No, I don't remember that even being down that, there. It was on the first floor. It was like the stupidest thing. Okay, so all the, everyone's up on the second floor. I got an idea. Let's put things down one down below because no one will go there. But it was there forever. And even into like the 90s, I think it was, they had that 1970s Burger King decor in there. It was spectacular. It really was. Those hard seats that were like a metal rod to another metal rod that you sat at the table. I mean, it was just because no one was going to steal their tables because everyone wanted a Burger King table. Um, they had that there. Oh, it was the North Star Burger King, the, the, the uh, North Star uh, Center Burger King. That's on the list of Twin Cities, uh, uh, you know, the, the four horsemen of the Twin Cities fast food lost location apocalypse. And number four has to be, has to be the Arby's that used to be at 50th in France. The Arby's that used to be, or as, you know, as the dining guy has told me, we we call that Arby's. That was artesian roast beef on a, on a brioche bun served with Jose sauce. You know, that's it. <laughs> Jose sauce. Mm, boy, who doesn't love a little Jose sauce? Uh, did you ever go to the Arby's at 50th and Buy that plenty of times. I don't think I ever stopped. Oh, the Arby's, they had the best potato cakes like you were rich. Um, it's a weird location for an Arby's. It, it was. It was the most bizarre. I mean, here it is, all these high-end stores and restaurants and Arby's. Yes, curly fries. And, and and I'm sorry. I mean, as much as a diner likes to say that they didn't like it there, there was a lot of hate eating going on at that place, man. There was a lot of, lot of beef and cheddars taken down with despair and disgust. I'm just going to be honest about it. Oh, you can still smell that place, too. We used to go there when when uh, the Dynam Cinema used to be there. We used to go over there and you know have food there. So now, if you really want to complete the bingo card, you can throw in a Nora's in there. Did you ever go to the Nora's? Uh, I did not. No. You, you know? Do you remember Nora's? No. That was a chain that was around from like '79 to like '92, and it was and, I, and I've talked about this before. It was a place where you could go get like meatloaf and a beer served to you by a woman that was actively smoking. You know. <laughs> Very yeah, there, there you go, hon. You got everything you need there? Okay, great. I'll be back a little bit later. You know, it was. It was. And the ash was hanging off there. It was. Mm, and you sometimes got that in the in the canned gravy. Mmm, yum. But it was. You could get meatloaf. It was a family-style sit-down restaurant where you could get, you know, a platter of food of, of like, home, home, you know, homeschool food sort of thing. And a beer. And they'd have beer on tap, and of course they never checked IDs. I mean, you could you could look like you're eight. You know, if I don't know, I'll get you a large. You know, it, it, there was a real Wisconsin vibe in there. I'll come back to that later in the show. 
Uh, but there was a real Wisconsin vibe in that place. Or, I mean, really the mecca of lost fast food, re- Minneapolis-St. Paul fast food restaurants, the OCB, man, the Old Country Buffet. Did you ever go to an Old Country Buffet? Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course Plenty you did. Those, yeah. I never forget. You remember they had that 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 trough of cheese, nacho cheese, and there was like things in it. So someone had like lost. It could be chicken. It could be fish. It could be a piece of pie. You didn't know, but it was like there was large clumps in there. So you just had to kind of hollow out a spot, put your ladle in, let the nacho cheese sauce gradually flow in, and that's how you got clean nacho cheese. Mmm, yum. And that was always perfect for your pancakes. It was it was a dining experience. I guess maybe that's the word I'm thinking of. It was food. Okay, I don't even know if I really can use that term. But it was something. It was something. I think I went there maybe the year before they closed for a work thing. Uh, I was somebody's birthday and you get to choose where you wanted to go for lunch and she chose old country buffet you did really yeah the one in roseville because it was working at the time in northeast minneapolis and uh, yeah that i'm not surprised they closed shortly thereafter the food they, did not look appealing they <laughs> very cardboard <laughs> crust on the pizza a lot of gray meats i mean yeah. it was <laughs> yeah, 2015 old country buffet is uh they were definitely past they their prime. Were, back in back in the eighties, I remember was it the one that was out on uh one oh one and seven that it used to be in the uh the high seven uh strip mall that used to be out there uh before the Target bought it and rebuilt the the massive Target over there. Uh they they yeah, they, there used to be one in there. And it wasn't bad. I mean it was it wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. Uh but it mean it was light years ahead of where it eventually got, you know. Who doesn't like crunchy taco meat? I mean, it, it, it's just that's been under the heat lamp for a little bit too long. You might want to freshen that one up just a little bit. A salad bar. I went in there one time in the salad bar and there was no lettuce. So I guess <laughs> no lettuce. And I'm like, okay, I guess I can make something out of onions and tomatoes. <laughs> if you got some vinegar, I can make up some pickling sauce. I guess this is how we're going to survive. It was it was good. Did you ever go to the Ponderosa that was out on 394? Or it was back then it was Highway 12. Back uh, no, that's before. Um, yeah, it was the best part about that place was it was it was designed to look like a really nice steakhouse, but it wasn't a really nice steakhouse, man. It was who, who likes to chew? Mm, boy, get those jaw muscles ready because there you go. So yes, I have been to not only the four horsemen of the Twin Cities closed franchise apocalypse, the White Castle on Lake near Nicollet. The Dinky Town McDonald's, the Burger King in North Star Center, and the Arby's that was at 50th in France. I have also dined at Nora's, and of course, who doesn't love the OCB, man? OCB. Give me a shirt that says Old Country Buffet. I'll wear that in a heartbeat, man. In a heartbeat. Mm, boy, who doesn't like chicken in their their chocolate fountain? Mmm, yum. Ah, yeah. It's a miracle I am alive. <laughs> it's a miracle. I have survived this long as it is. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. I'm going to dismantle the twins here. I'm just going to get it done. I'm ripping the band out. I'm getting it over with. I'll do that when I come back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Raising one brow on, on Twitter. Keep the hot side hot, the cool side cool. I put the D in the McDLT. I loved the McDLT. 
I'm sorry. I thought it was the best hamburger McDonald's ever made. I'm dead serious, too. I thought it was delicious. It was an insane waste of of foam material. <laughs> I mean, there's going to be I – mean, we've raised, I think, three or four degrees on the old Celsius scale just off the old McDLT containers. I mean, it, it's, it was like when they first came out with CDs and they kept trying to package them like albums. And so you'd like open it up and there's like, okay, why did you give me all this? <laughs> I just need the little case, man. <laughs> you, don't, you don't remember that, do you? No, you no, no. Not when they were in big old cases like they're, that. They're, they're, they, were, they were like, yeah, yeah, I can't, still to this day can't figure out what they were thinking with that. But no, I love the McDLT, man. Oh, God. And th- there were a lot of other great ones. And I'm not talking about great restaurants. I mean, there's a lot of great restaurants we've lost that I, you know, hey, I got a special place in my heart for the Poodle Club because nowhere else had the best biscuits and gravy and beer at 10 a.m. It really was an experience. But, I mean, if you think about the fast food locations, those four really are just kind of iconic in their kind of patheticness. And just really, it is just where it was, we're just, oh, there. <laughs> <laughs> that's, oh yeah okay fine that's right there's a there is a white castle there isn't there oh i forgot all about that that sort of thing oh my god there was an arby's over at 15 in france oh my god they could not get that arby's out of there fast enough how do you yeah when did that get removed i'm gonna say 20 years ago i'm gonna say 20 years ago i thought it was sooner than that okay well they and they put it in with one of those places you know it's just you know chop house grill store it's like it's high-end wines basically geared towards people like look it's for pretty people not you can i i should go you know what we should do we should go over there to whatever that restaurant is in there and order arby's food <laughs> gotta go i want a big montana <laughs> so I, want a, I want a beef and cheddar uh, do you still have the potato triangles? Potato triangles are great, man. Can I get potato triangles and extra horsey sauce? Thank you. Just have them. Just loathe me as a human being. <laughs> 952-946-6205. Speaking of loathing me as a human being, the twins are going to feel that way here in just a minute. All right. Um, yeah, there were some bad calls in that game. There were, you know, shadows. There were things. I'm not going to, I'm not going to make excuses for what really is the problem on that team, and it's twofold. Now, I will I will say this about the Twins, and this is something that is amazingly cool that I can actually say this today. That pitching staff is exceptional. That you know, even Sonny Gray and Sonny, I I don't do not feel bad, dude. You, everyone gets. I mean, that's a good team. They hitch off you. I know you feel bad. Don't feel bad. You guys, you pitched very well, and if not for the pitching staff, we would have been nowhere near the playoffs this year. Nowhere near them. I think, and as a matter of fact, I can say this, outside of maybe one or two tweaks in the bullpen, just sign everyone, keep them in staff, keep that same rotation, do like the Atlanta Braves did. You got the foundation of a good pitching staff. You can you can do a lot with that. So there's your positive. <sighs> What the hell happened to our bats? What the heck happened to our bats? I mean, dead serious. Whatever happened to our bats? I mean, I've used the term the plate discipline of a little leaguer in a home run derby. And it it, it really was. That's what it was. I mean, it was comical. Strike one, strike two, strike three, strike one, strike three. I mean, it was like a, it was like the Bugs Bunny cartoons. Swing, 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 you're out. Swing, 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 you're out. Swing, 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 you're out. The plate discipline of this team. I mean, and 
the, the thing which is crazy is that there was two days there, two days where this was going on, and at no point did it seem like the management of the team was like, well, we got to do something here because none of these guys are doing anything. And it wasn't like we took on the Astros' number one ace. No, these were their, these were the guys we're supposed to be able to beat up on, and we couldn't do squat against them. We made them look like the second coming of, of Cy Young. No, it that was inexcusable, and it reminded me so much of the Jekyll and Hyde nature of this team. Remember, June and July, this team was unwatchable. Because they would get out there and they just, they swing, 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 you're out, swing, 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 you're out. I mean, it was just, I mean, there was almost a comical nature to how bad their hitting was. I mean, they they played well up to like mid-May and then they just went right off the freaking cliff. June and July, especially June, was atrocious. And whereas with the Toronto series, we saw the team that was around, the Twins team that was around late August, early September, when it came to the Astros series, we we saw the team that was around in June, and they looked B-A-D bad. B-A-D bad. And then you have to look at Rocco and, I mean, the management of that team. Why? Why did you pull Ryan after two innings? Why did you pull? The guy's good for four or five. You have you, – why did you pull Joe Ryan after two innings? Why? You just that was stupid, and I mean, you, you you didn't give him any chance. You basically, sure, it's nice we have an, a bullpen that you can bank on that they're going to do somewhat better and can hold a lead and stuff like that. But that was a bad plan, man. That was a bad plan, and that bit you. At least have some faith in your pitchers because that's the only thing that you had on that team that was working for you. I don't think you fire Rocco Baldali. I don't think you fire him. You definitely fire the hitting coach. The hitting coach needs to go. The hitting coach sucks. I want to repeat that so in case anyone in the back row did not hear me. The hitting coach on that team should not be allowed to coach in this city anymore. They got, my God, you have good bats, and yet you you took a bunch of players who a few seasons ago were crushing the ball, and you made them look like they were incompetent. Whoever the batting coach is, they need to be fired. They need to be fired. It's really disappointing because, you know, you look at this this playoff right now. The Phillies look like they're about to take out Atlanta. Dodgers are gone. Baltimore's gone. If the Twins could have beaten Houston, I would say that they would probably be probably outside of the Phillies. Maybe the Phillies would be the only team that would be favored to beat them. I think they would have had a chance. I think they would have beat, they would have been able to beat Arizona. I think they would have been able to beat Texas. But instead, because that I mean, and we have to remind ourselves, yeah, we won game 2, but we won game 2 because of Pablo Lopez. We won game 2 because Carlos Correa was fired up to be back in 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 Houston. No one else on this team did did squat outside of Royce Lewis getting a, you know, a home run or a hit or two, but Swing, 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 you're out. Swing, 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 you're out. Swing. Last night, Max Kepler was up in the bottom of the ninth. Two outs. You're down by one run. This is, I'm not saying something here that's advanced baseball knowledge. This is something that you were taught in Little League. That if you got two strikes and you are, you know, the game's over and you need to make up a run, 
any ball that comes near the strike zone, you either have to hit or you have to foul off. And he watched strike three, which was not a borderline strike. That was a clear strike. Kepler watched watched strike three go right across the plate. Who does that? An eight-year-old, a nine-year-old does that. Just bad plate management, bad baseball management, bad batting management, just just all around bad. Now, once again, I've complimented the pitchers. They were pretty good. If you keep them locked up, I think it's time for you to ask the question of do you really need to keep Byron Buxton on this team? Because I don't I mean, I think he's got some trade potential still right now. He doesn't might not have it. You need at least one more big bat to put between Correa and 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 Royce Lewis. I think that you you should definitely look at the rest of that roster and start trimming some of the fat away that cannot develop cannot deliver in high stake situations. But the reality is is that I I don't know. This town I think is a baseball town, and I know that that's that's blasphemous for Vikings fans or for hockey fans. But no, the reality is is that this this town has had championships in baseball. We saw what it's like to enjoy baseball again. And so, sure, it's easy for us to just sort of sit there and say, aren't they great? But the reality is that these are professionals. They're adult men getting getting paid a lot of money to play a game. And, yeah, they, they you, you can criticize them when they don't deliver. I... Love that team. I love baseball. I just love baseball, although I'm not going to watch the freaking Houston Astros. I can't stand those guys. But I love baseball. I've always have. I grew up in, in Rhode Island in the 1970s, so Carl Yastrzemski and Jim Rice and all those guys I'm big fans of. I grew up with baseball. But that, that, back then, the Bruins weren't that great at that point. They were they had some they had legacy, but they weren't that great. And And, of course, uh, that was pre-Celtics gold with uh, Larry Bird, and it was also when the New England Patriots were just a god-awful team. So the only thing you had to, to hope for as a kid was the Boston Red Sox. And I enjoyed them, and I, and I fell in love with the sport. I'm not going to candy-coat it. I'm not just going to sit there and say, didn't they do great? I said, you know, you know, they could have done a heck of a lot better. And here's why they didn't do it very well. Now go fix those problems. Go win the division next year, and hey, maybe, maybe, just maybe, if you don't fall apart for June and July, you might be able to host more than just the play-in series to make yourself feel like, gee, Willikers, we get a we get a participation trophy. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five nine five two nine four six six two zero five. I want to talk about this this horrible story uh, up north in the metro area. Uh, five police officers shot. We'll get back to that when we come back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Once again, reminder for when we do the post tomorrow on social media at 9 a.m., the phrase you need to put in the comment section on the AM 950 social media sites on Twitter, Facebook, and on Instagram is pay-per-view pass pay-per-view pass put that in there you'll win your you could you'll be entered in to possibly win a free pay-per-view pass to go see the stephanie miller sexy liberal tour show which is coming up here a week from saturday all right so 
pay-per-view pass. That's the phrase you need to put in there. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. We're going to Glen Dorado Township. That sounds like a small town to me. I have, I have never even heard of Glen Dorado Township, frankly, if you want to know the truth. I've been in the state a long time. That is, that is the epitome of a small town where we hear from people that this sort of thing does not happen. This is very tragic. Five officers with search warrants were shot Thursday morning during exchange with gunfire with a man west of Princeton in Benton County who was inside his home. We had numerous guns with him, according to various law enforcement sources. The officers, all assigned to the Sherburne County Drug Task Force, were expected to survive their injuries suffered in the mass shooting. Benton County Sheriff Troy Hex said in the statement issued about 1 p.m. The suspect, a 64-year-old man, was also wounded before his apprehension. Hex statement read, the suspect was injured in the incident and transported for treatment, said uh, Hex statement. The cause and extent of his injuries are unknown at this time. The officers were there to search his home in the 200 block northeast of 190th Avenue for reasons that law enforcement have yet to disclose. The man's criminal history includes felony drug conviction in 2006, another conviction for the same offense in the mid-1980s, according to court records. Of the five wounded officers, three are with the Sherburne County Sheriff's Office, one is with the Princeton Police Department, another is with the Elk River Police Department. Hex statement continued. Two officers are in the hospital in St. Cloud. Three were taken to North Memorial in Robbinsdale Thursday morning. Law enforcement has scheduled a mid-afternoon press conference in Benton County, seat of Foley, where further details about the incident are expected to be released. It is a practice the State Bureau of Criminal Apprehension is among the agencies involved in an investigation. Emergency dispatch audio disclosed one officer was shot in the chest and pelvis shortly after 7 a.m. The dispatch audio added that the officer was conscious and breathing while he was taken to the hospital. Godspeed. While the suspect was holed up in his home, he possessed three handguns, four long guns, and ammunition, and possibly suffered a gunshot wound in the leg. The dispatch audio con- uh, continued. At one point, the officer said in a dispatch the man was concerned about going back to prison. Emergency vehicles, including fire trucks, Humvees, squad cars, armored vehicles, staged on the highway near the house. Shortly after 11 a.m., the fire trucks pulled off the highway and onto the property. The house sits about a quarter mile south of the town of Glen Dorado, which is little more than a few houses, a church, and a a town hall. Boy, that sure sounds like a small town. And by the way, before you come come at me, I'm not the one who said that stupid-ass thing. Your side said that. Your crime only happens in big cities. Five cops shot in a the epitome of a small town. Just disturbing. So stop with your fake narrative about how good things are out there. You know what didn't happen in Minneapolis today? Five cops weren't shot today in Minneapolis. Or St. Paul, or Bloomington, or Rochester, or Duluth. But in Glen Dorado, sweet Lord. Uh, a resident who asked not to be named said she heard a squad car pass through the town at high speed around 6.45 a.m. Multiple vehicles soon followed. A nearby resident of Glen Dorado said he knew of the man. He was, quote, unquote, off. The man said there were cars coming and going to the property often. So I think it's pretty safe to say the suspect here sounds like he might have been engaged in drug dealing again, considering that's his M.O., 
They came to basically confront him on it and search the house, and that's when he opened fire. On my, but on behalf of myself and everyone here at the radio station, all our best to those five officers. You did not deserve that. This has been a disturbing recurring story, though. Small-town America, small-town Minnesota, police officers trying to serve a warrant, trying to check on somebody, see if they're okay, at a traffic incident, under fire, getting shot. You know, there comes a point where when it comes to police departments and what what is their biggest danger to a police officer, that would be being shot by a suspect. Here's a case, five of them. One guy, what sounds like a, a, an alleged drug dealer, at six in the morning, so I'm presuming not exactly perky, was able to basically shoot five trained officers and not only did did you know and, and by the grace of god none of them died but not only did he do that but he did so with minimal damage to himself it sounds like a gunshot possible to the leg if that gunshot happened when he opened fired on everyone else i want to exp- once again repeat that if you need more proof of how deadly guns are an alleged drug dealer, I'm presuming it's drug dealing, was able to open fire on five police officers, highly trained with weapons, my guess drawn, and they all got shot. Can we just stop this game that the guns aren't the problem? The guns are the freaking problem. The guns are the freaking problem. You can take some derelict jackass up in Glen Dorado and turn him into freaking, you know, John McClain at Nakatomi Plaza because he has enough firepower in his house to basically hold off a militia. And we think to ourselves, oh, there's nothing wrong here. What the hell are you talking about? We can talk about the fact that, you know, clearly, as, as from the comments you've heard from some of the neighbors of this guy, that people knew something was going on at this house with cars coming at all hours of the night. I have a friend that lives in, uh, you know, in the South Metro, and he said he, he walks his dog. And he said that he knew something was wrong with this house fairly quickly because he kept going past it and there were people sleeping in cars in not the same person just randomly people sleeping in cars in front of the house so he called the police and ended up it was it was a drug house suburban house it happens there people see this people saw this going on there so i mean i can sit here and and continually lambast the stupid stupid narrative of thing bad things don't happen try that in a small town apparently this guy's been doing this for a while amassing an arsenal. And the small town did jack squat to stop it. So I guess that maybe it's, you know, maybe it's not so much a threat as more of an encouragement. Hey, come try that in the small town. 
But instead, I'm going to focus on the guns because the reality is, is that this, once again, here you have five, five trained law enforcement officials all get shot by one guy in a house with a gun. Police, I get it. You have been romanced by the Republicans. You've been romanced by them. They keep saying, we're going to make sure that you can never be held accountable for anything. All you have to do is just go along with our policies. So you go along with their narrative of, look at those black people in Minneapolis. Who's going to rein them in? And some rural white Republican who sits there and smugly looks it in, in, into the camera saying, I'll hold those people accountable while crime is going on behind them all freaking all over the place. And the police go along with it because the Republicans have said, don't worry, we will never hold you accountable for your mistakes. But your, your allegiance to the Republicans, police, comes at a price that you have to be target practice. And that's just the freaking reality. Because we're not talking about Minneapolis. How many small town shootings have we had in this state and in, in, in western Wisconsin? In the last year alone, what, five? Was it three officers shot up north? The one, two officers were shot over on the highway in Wisconsin? Now five here? In Glendor, the, the mighty metroplex of Glendorado? Your biggest threat is guns. You've gotten into bed with the people who are saying, give all these people guns. I talked yesterday about that Supreme Court case that's going to come on up, which basically says a guy like this who might have even shot guns at people. In a threatening manner, as long as he hasn't been convicted of that crime, should be able to be armed to the gills. And we just saw what one guy was able to do with guns. A guy who's a convicted, who's been in prison, you say to yourself, wait a second here. What do you mean this guy was able to build an arsenal of weapons? What was, what was the, the list of stuff that he, that he, that was, uh, he was uh, able to get together there? It was, you know, some long rifles. Oh, God, where was it? Had numerous guns with him, according to law enforcement. The four long guns, three handguns, and ammunition. He had seven guns. Now, there are two different ways you can look at this argument. Matt, how do you know those were legally obtained? You're right. Nope, you're right which should just scare the crap out of you, that it's not the guns in the inner city here that are the problem. It's the ones in rural Minnesota that are shooting cops. And maybe, just maybe, if we had a database of all guns sold in this state, where we kept track of the serial numbers and we knew where those guns were, and we put in a mandatory 20-year jail sentence for anyone illegally selling a gun, which would immediately dry up the illegal gun sales in this state overnight, then maybe, just maybe, this guy, if these guns were illegal, might not have been able to shoot five police officers. But let's go the other way, because what the hell makes you think this guy actually amassed this arsenal illegally? 
He probably has a freaking punch card for his local Glendorado weapon store. Did he get the seventh one at half price? And a free sub? What makes you think this guy even got these guns illegally? Heck, he, thanks to the Republican Party of Minnesota, was probably able to go down in a massive arsenal, even with the record. Even when the guy's like, man, how many guns do you have at this point? He very likely could have easily legally purchased all these guns with this insane argument from the right. That he was a good guy with the guns until he shot the five officers. Then he was a bad guy. Who gave them those guns? We can... This is five cops. You wonder why carnage is happening in our schools in this country? They're do, they're, this, a person's able to do this with five police officers. There's nothing you can do at a school. There's nothing you can do at a workplace or a park or a concert or a church or a synagogue or any house of worship or any restaurant, theater, street, house, anywhere. And I'm going to get, bet you right now there are angry, furious Republicans. How dare you talk about this in the time of the shooting? How dare you continue this travesty against the police in this state by just treating them as target practice for your loosey-goosey, out-of-control gun laws? Shame on you, you anti-Christian jackasses. AM 950, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. I'll change the subject. I'll get to Gary when we come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. No, it's... Republicans say, hey, you need to scream about SROs. And police run out there and start screaming about SROs. The reality is the police need to be screaming about the gun laws. Because they're so loose right now that it's it's incredibly dangerous to do anything in their job because the person could be armed to the gills. And I almost wonder, do the Republicans look at the police and just say, you guys can't talk about guns. You know, we'll help you out as much as we can. But if you guys start talking about controlling guns, then, you know, then we're not on your side. Well, I can tell you right now, considering considering. What is happening with police, especially in rural Minnesota, where they're getting shot at with this this regularity? Anyone who's for these loosey-goosey gun laws is not on the police's side. I don't care what they say. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Gary is in Minneapolis. Hey, Gary. Hi, Matt. Um, I got some good news uh, to change the subject. Okay. They were talking on the... Uh you know, TV about Taylor Swift. Yes. And she's registered, getting thousands of her fans registered. And she's the biggest thing I see in popularity, like Elvis. Like, she's so popular. And uh, she, she's come out for Biden, but the registry, she says, tries to say bipartisan. 
but um, she's into gender equality issues and gay rights, they said. And then they thought Fox News really attacking her, and they said they like that anywhere. Well, so that's all I had to say, Matt. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Gary in Minneapolis coming to the rescue of Taylor Swift, and Taylor is very appreciative of that. I am stunned. I, I mean, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. Uh, I think with Stein, it just it, it's stunning, stunning that the Republicans think attacking Taylor Swift is a good idea. I mean, it's it is. I, you know, do you understand how loyal her fans are? I would say it's like Madonna, but I don't remember Madonna fans being like this when the wannabes were were going on and like this. I mean, we are talking rarefied air as far as celebrity goes. And Taylor Swift resonates with pretty much everyone age 25 and under. Heck, I've got quite a few of her songs. I think she's fantastic. I really do. I think she's actually magnificent. I think she's incredibly talented. And the Republicans, I mean, I I understand, and she does, by the way, and she does indeed try to say, I'm not going to get involved in politics specifically and endorsing someone here or there. But don't think for one second that she hasn't looked around and seen all these Republicans attacking her. I mean, even even Broadcorp's like, what are you guys doing? It's Taylor Swift. And even Broadcorp's like, I love Taylor Swift. She's very good. No, I, I, I think that this is – it's Fox News – and I was talking – remember yesterday I said I went down and I talked with the South Metro DFL Senior Caucus, and I, and I talked to them about Generations. There's a reason why Fox News is desperately trying to figure out a way to stop Generation Z from voting is because they do not poll at all, at all with them in any capacity. They are – I think I've seen, I've seen 75-25 Generation Z favoring Democrats over Republicans. They've never seen margins like that. And so this is why every Republican's like, you should be a white landowner to vote. You know, that's that's kind of the, that's that's their whole mentality now. I don't know who is the brain trust that came up with the attacking Taylor Swift, but if you turn Taylor Swift merch into a political statement, well, I guess we'll start playing playing you know, the, the the funeral dirge for you right now because you're not going to survive that on a political scale, and. Like I said, I, I, I have. Where are you going with that again? Where are you going with that again? Uh, we'll take a break. Hour two. That's coming up next. Hour two here in the four o'clock hour on AM nine fifty, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five nine five two nine four six six two zero five. By the way, once again, we gave away earlier today our first of our social media pay per view passes to go see the Sexy Liberal Tour live stream broadcast. This is going to be on October twenty first, a week from this Saturday. Uh, it's Steph, the whole crew over there, Hal Sparks, John Fugelsang, Frangela, special guests. And it's a one-night-only thing, so you can get that pay-per-view and watch it live as it's going on in Los Angeles, California. Uh, We gave away our first social media one. And once again, I want to explain this to everyone out there. So tomorrow morning, Brett – is it going to be you, Brett? It'll be me. It'll be Brett. 
Tomorrow morning, Brett will hit the social media pages. This is the AM 950 radio pages on the Twitterverse, on the Facebookverse, and on the Instaverse. All right? He will make a post there. It's pretty obvious what the post is there. We're looking for that special comment by you in the comment section to get you registered to possibly win a pay-per-view pass to go see Stephanie Miller. The comment you need to make for tomorrow is pay-per-view pass. Pay-per-view pass. That's the comment you have to make tomorrow. Make that, and guess what? You yourself will uh, be entered in to possibly be the winner of a pay-per-view pass. So look for that tomorrow. There is one other way you could win a pay-per-view pass, courtesy of AM950. And that is from now, am I doing this all the way until Thursday next week as well? That is correct. All right. So from now until Thursday next week, I'm giving away a pay-per-view pass on my show. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. So uh, here's the deal. Let's torment Brett uh, with some phone calls. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Caller number five right now at 952-946-6205. Caller number five. You will get yourself a pay-per-view pass to catch the Stephanie Miller Sexy Liberal Tour from Los Angeles a week from Saturday with all her crew. So caller number 5, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205, and good luck on winning your pay-per-view pass today. Uh, Once again, Trailblazer, you're welcome. You're welcome. I know. You're welcome. Um, Yesterday, I talked about the Holodazzle Parade and how it was kind of frustrating that the Holodazzle Parade uh, the Holodazzle event was being canceled, but I also brought up the point where the, the 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 thing they have now is, I mean, they try to sell it as this European-style market. It's mostly a beer garden, and it just seems to be like, we got to make money with this, as opposed to put on a cool event that was in the downtown, and that was the parade. And if you never went to the Holodazzle Parade, the Holodazzle Parade was something special. And I, I had multiple people comment to me in the last 24 hours about the pure freaking joy of the kids that you took your kids out there and how much fun they had with Holodazzle. They had a blast. And it made kids love living here in Minneapolis-St. Paul. used to be lying 20 deep up Nicollet Mall from basically I think like 12th all the way up to like 3rd or 4th. And just tons of people in downtown. Every night it ran. It was a lot of fun. And they don't have it anymore because someone just said, hey, you know what? We need to, we need to get likes and, and, and selfies with those, those young kids. And so we need, a, we need a, a beer hall or something. You know, it's just it's stupid. Because you got rid of one of the great iconic events of, of, of all time in, in the cities, the, the Holodazzle Parade. Now, I brought this up yesterday and talked on the show. Axios must be listeners. Hi, guys. How you doing? Uh, and it, but they don't say anything about me. Bring it up. Thank you very much. As event organizers take a break from Holodazzle in 2023, there's growing chorus of people who say their annual December celebration should be brought back into the core of downtown Minneapolis. Holodazzle started in 1992, introduced countless peoples to the region in the downtown where they sipped hot cocoa, watched the parade down Nicollet Mall, and dined at restaurants. Downtown Minneapolis, which is still trying to find its way post-pandemic, could use some of those exposures again. 
The Minneapolis Downtown Council in 2013 ended the Nicollet Mall Parade and instead created a European-style Christmas village in Loring Park, which is the fringe of downtown. On Tuesday, the council announced Holidays will be canceled this year due to the lack of funds. Oh, but would be back again for next year. Uh-huh. In the meantime, it's collecting feedback on what people would like to look at in, in the future. Chris Sherman, president of the downtown-based developer Sherman A. Shoshits, fondly remembers going to Holodazzle as a kid in the early 90s, and he wants the event back on the mall. It could be a catalyst that time of year for retail businesses to activate downtown, uh, to, to activate downtown in the evenings for four or five weeks. Don't expect the parade to be back. Downtown Council CEO Steve Kramer told Axios it's become too expensive. Oh, hey, Christmas is canceled. It's too expensive. (laughs) Nice. The city has provided downtown council $400,000 a year to help with events. That money is leveraged to raise another $1.6 to $2 million, Kramer said. And last year, the council has to stretch its money further, organizing spring, summer, and fall events in effort to keep people in the back of the city center. The parade, Kramer said, cost millions of dollars, whereas Loring Park Festival cost high six figures, adding, that's why the parade was retired 10 years ago. Did he add a bah humbug to that statement? Bah humbug. The Minneapolis Regional Chamber CEO, Jonathan Weinhagen, cited how much of a boost Super Bowl gave uh, Nicollet Mall in 2018, another inactivation, uh, some sort would help. Could this be, I don't know, did it really I mean, you're talking about ha- having a hard time bringing people downtown. So don't look at me and say the Super Bowl in 2018 sure did get resonate because we we don't have any. You know, it's it's a problem. Could this be uh, the thing that brings people back to the downtown for some of the winter months to celebrate the cool uh, and celebrate downtown just like we used to? I'd say yes. And considering how many people I know loved it, well, it would be nice. I would I'd be all for it again. <sighs> We used to do things just because they were cool, not because some you know, some pencil pusher sat there and said, I can't see the cost-effective ratio of doing this. Yeah. Sorry, kids. Christmas is canceled. 952-946-6205. Well, for, for everyone in the city, outside of our winner, who was our winner? Where did Christmas come early here? Now, Christmas is not canceled for our winner, Don, who is going to be getting that pay-per-view pass to watch Stephanie Miller coming up on the 21st. What city is she from? Do you know? Uh, Minneapolis. Don from Minneapolis. Salute. Congratulations. You've won yourself a pay-per-view pass to go watch Stephanie Miller's sexy liberal comedy show that is coming up on a week from Saturday, the 21st. All right. Now, if you would like to get your own pay-per-view pass, two ways to do it. Reminder, tomorrow, Brett's going to be up on the social media sites making a post. And you need to comment on that post. Pay-per-view pass. Pay-per-view pass. Uh, at 2 o'clock, we'll close that down. We'll take all the entries. We'll number them. We'll randomly pick one, and that person will win a pass. Then tomorrow, during the show, and I might I think I got Katie Tessman in here tomorrow, and I, got, I might have Jack Rice in here as well tomorrow. So we're going to have a busy show. We're going to also be giving away another pay-per-view pass tomorrow. So make sure you're listening for that, 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Brett, remember when I was telling you we were going to get back to Wisconsin? We're going back again. I'm going back to Wisconsin. Do we have to? Uh, get for <laughs> sorry, Wisconsin. It's a, it's a, it is such a Wisconsin thing. Uh, Wisconsin Senator Kelda Roy's really 
Kelderoy's loves real maple syrup so much. Well, okay, I just just can we just you know where this story is going? She loves that maple syrup. She pours it all over herself and everything. Oh yeah, sticky sweet goodness. She's. <laughs> She loves it so much, she's kept a bottle in her purse. Are you sure that's syrup? Never mind. It's Wisconsin, you know. <laughs> Is there a proof on the side of that syrup? <laughs> she keeps, apparently, syrup in her purse, so she's never out to breakfast and forced to put artificial syrup on her pancakes. How often are you going out for pancakes? That's going out for a lot of pancakes. That's like Parks and Rec. Last week, due to her love of maple syrup nearly as intense as Buddy, the main character in the movie Elf, Roy's and Representative Dave Considine, the Democrat from Baraboo, introduced legislation aimed at preventing restaurants from mislabeling artificial syrup as the real deal. One of my pet peeves is when I go to a restaurant and I ask, do you have real maple syrup? And they say yes. Roy says, and then I, or, I, I order based on that information. Then you can't just see what they're walking towards the table. It's not real maple syrup. I'm just like, I should have ordered the omelet. Oh, omelet's good. Would you put syrup on the omelet? Or is this, do you have another bottle in there, the purse for the, for the omelet? Well, if you've been drinking ahead of time, oh. I don't think you'd care if you'd uh, what you're putting on your omelet. I mean, I'm sorry. I've been in a lot of Wisconsin restaurants in the morning. I've seen a lot of drunk, hungover people. Are you really thinking that they're so, ah, this is real sound? <laughs> I think they're wondering, where's my pants? <laughs> Where did I leave my car? <laughs> That's what they're thinking. I don't think the outrage over drunken Wisconsinite over maple syrup is nearly as palatable as you think it is. But, hey, tell me more about that bottle you walk around with in your purse. Under the bill, which Representatives Jody Emerson, Democrat of Eau Claire, and Shea Sortwell, Republican from Two Rivers, bipartisan, signed up as co-sponsor shortly after its introduction. Public eating places won't be allowed to identify a product as maple syrup on labels or menus until it's actually maple syrup, you bastards. The proposal's co-sponsorship memo notes that Wisconsin already has similar provisions preventing restaurant goers from eating served margarine instead of butter or honey with added sweeteners. So wait a second here. So you have laws in the state of Wisconsin that say that if someone serves you margarine in a restaurant, that basically that that's that they they can't they have to tell you it's margarine, it's not butter. Also, syrup or honey, honey. With no added sweeteners. Dear God, I mean, I, I I just had that delicious jar of honey from Anita Gall. She brought it to me out from Mount West in Minnesota, which was fan-freaking-tastic. I hope she sometimes gives me the go-ahead to start bragging about that syrup because I'd love to drive everyone out We're there. just eating the honey? Well, the... well, I'd have it with, like, a granola. And, okay. a granola and, no, I'm just, <laughs> just put a straw in there, you suck heart. No. <laughs> right, Wisconsin? Anyway, uh, sorry. No, that was delicious. I'd have it on yogurt with some granola, yeah, yeah, a little yeah. berries in there. That was, I mean, eating healthy. That's what I'm doing there, man. 
Oh God, that 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 honey was good. But apparently, you can't sell honey with uh, with added sweeteners. Is there a lot of honeys that have added sweeteners in them? I didn't. Is this really a problem? Might be a problem in Wisconsin. They they seem to take their comfort food pretty seriously <laughs> and their booze. <laughs> the bill doesn't include any enforcement or mechanisms or penalties for restaurants. Although I might quit this job to become a Wisconsin syrup cop. <laughs> It's, you know, I've got two jars in my holsters wherever I go, you know, looking for fun. I party hard all day and work all our night. I mean, have you ever eaten at a Waffle House? That's not even close to whatever syrup is. I don't know no idea what that concoction is. They serve it like a Waffle House. So I don't... Yeah, Waffle House is going to be in trouble if they ever expand to Wisconsin and this law's in place. <laughs> They're going to be in trouble because every drunk Wisconsin is going to be, Waffle House! Waffle House. <laughs> they're going to have a line out the door. Oh, those poor, those poor workers. Anyway, uh, the bill doesn't include any enforcement mechanisms or penalties for restaurants, syrup cops. But Constantine said the goal is to get a standard for supporting the state's nearly fourteen million dollars syrup industry. That's not a big industry. I'm just going to be honest. Fourteen million. What's your state budget? I mean, that's that's. And don't get me wrong. Hey, stand up for them. That's great, but. The whole idea is setting a standard that consumers know that they have the right to do what Roy, Senator Roy said she wanted to do. Go to a restaurant and say, wait a minute. I want maple syrup. You said maple syrup. I want maple syrup. I think the industry will respond to that. Like, <laughs> I want booze. You said there booze. I want booze. You see, you can apply that same standard to anything, really, within Wisconsin. Teresa Baroon, the executive director of the Wisconsin Maple Syrup Producers Association, hot, told the Wisconsin Examiner that if the bill passes, the benefit wouldn't necessarily be increased sales, but helping consumers better understand the difference between pure maple syrup and artificial version. She also says that people are increasingly interested in where their food comes from, so restaurants might benefit from offering and advertising Wisconsin-produced maple syrup. Well, if they're concerned about where their freaking food's coming from, eating at a diner is probably not your best bet. Hey, I got this uh, pre-made box mixed pancake, but hey, the syrup's local. And look, they stabbed some guy that tried to give me margarine. <laughs> oh, God. It, it, it Wisconsin. It, it, so, you know, I know you guys are in the seventh circle of hell over there with the Republicans, and really you are. But thank God you still can give us quality news like this, the syrup cops, because Lord knows every time I'm in a restaurant in Wisconsin with a bunch of freaking drunk as skunk Wisconsinites, the first thing I say is, is that syrup? <laughs> <laughs> or as they will say, is that 952 Let's get back to more important things when we do return. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. I really want to run with this Syrup Cops TV show. I have a feeling that every episode would eventually end with me wrestling with a suspect in a vat of syrup. You know? <laughs> with, of course, the last line of the episode always being, 
Another sticky situation. I was going to yeah, say, yeah, there's yeah, tons yeah, of yeah, bad yeah, jokes yeah, you can put in there. There yeah. you go. Wisconsin syrup cops. I'm all for it, actually. Went back to the lady with the syrup in her purse. I mean, how was... Okay, that, sure. Syrup. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine trying to get like a Kleenex out of that. It's just... I have a feeling that her purse, just wherever she walks, it sounds like just a bunch of bottles clinging together in there. <laughs> it's got a full bar. Oh, and I guess some syrup. Oops. I poured the jack on the pancakes. I'll eat them anyway. That's a... <laughs> oh, Aunt Jemima, Jack Daniels, they're both people. You know, fine, whatever. It works. It works. Jim Beam, that's an idea. Somehow someone's going to try to find a way to do uh, alcohol-infused syrup. Oh, there's got to be someone. There. Uh, come on. There's got to be some place in Wisconsin, I'm presuming around the Green Bay area, that has got boozy pancakes and boozy waffles. I, I, I guarantee it is. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. So one of the things that we've re- recurringly talked about on this show is that Mary Moriarty, uh, as the new Hennepin County attorney, seems to be going a lot further than she talked about going in her campaign. And that she has put forward fairly non-existent punishments for fairly serious crimes. And, the, you know, once again, I, I'm... Did the system need to be reformed? Absolutely. But do you have people who are the trigger men and murders getting, you know, juvie hall and then home for Netflix and DoorDash? I don't think that's a punishment. I'm not the only one. Now, I know I've had a few conservatives that say, about time you came around, McNeil. I said, no, this is this is not about basically installing this lock them up for life, far right fantasy world that they have. Well, when it's black people, when it's when it's white people, it's, you know, you can't really hold them responsible, that sort of thing. But there is a point where you say, okay, you you can't, we, we've had actual places try this. Try the, okay, let's give, her, give them a hug and send them home sort of thing. And it has failed spectacularly. And I said, and I've said from the beginning is that the second that she's passed this first you know, or got this first plea deal where this individual is going to be basically going home and not really having any problems or any kind of consequences. I said the first time one of those guys basically commits another crime, even a more heinous crime, then you're going to have a hard time explaining to how your system is really working great. And that's a house of cards you built yourself. Well, I'm not the only one here uh, that's pointing out that there seems to be some conflict in what's going on. And what he said was a first in his eight years on the bench. Hennepin County judge rejected a plea deal, in this case a carjacker and repeat robber who had too many victims to justify a sentence of probation and a year in the workhouse. District Judge Paul Scoggins said in a court Wednesday that he could not agree with the Hennepin County attorney's proposed sentence for Dorian Flowers, 20 years old, in exchange for guilty pleas and some of the nearly 20 charges against him. Scoggin considered the number of victims and the seriousness of the offense, but he also said the courts are concerned with the number of downward departures, especially when a pre-sentence investigation recommended that Flowers should serve prison time. It's extremely uncommon for judges to reject plea deals. Scoggin, who was appointed to the bench in 2015 by Governor Mark Dayton, that far-right conservative, 
He was previously a prosecutor to the county's attorney's office. So he's actually got experience from the county's attorney's office. He was appointed to the courts by a Democrat. And even he is like, wait a second here. This, this doesn't make any sense. For the first time in my career, I'm rejecting in negotiations and ordering these monitors on for trial. His reasoning included too many victims, repeated alleged activity, and that the probation would uh, deprecate the seriousness of the offensive here. And that's the one that I am 100% on board with. It would be, you're giving this person probation and basically wagging your finger at someone who's, who's got 20 charges against him and saying, well, don't have a 21st. Ugh. Flowers was the alleged accomplice of James uh, James Jones Drain, 20, who was accused of fleeing then-Minneapolis police officer Brian Cummings in a stolen vehicle in July of 2021. Cummings crashed into and killed an innocent driver, Linnell Frazier, in the high-speed pursuit through North Minneapolis. In a surprise move this summer, prosecutors dropped related charges against Jones Drain, the mother, a month after Cummings was convicted of manslaughter and sentenced to probation and nine months in the workhouse. So they 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 did not charge. Mary, I, I know that this system needed to be fixed. It clearly, when you look at what Freeman was doing with the with the um, the Stallings case and the failure by the prosecutorial branch of the justice system to even look at the body cam footage to see if what the police had said was true. And by the way, that's giving him the benefit of the doubt. I think there's a legit chance he knew exactly what happened and he was still trying to get the plea deal. And it was only after he was found not guilty on all the charges that all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a second here. How come I prosecuted this case? Not asking that really, just kind of saying, okay, what's my excuse for prosecuting this case? At least that's my theory. You have to have some level of punishment other than, you know, pinky swear that you're not going to try to do it again. And don't get me wrong. I'm not, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm going to presume a year working in the workhouse is not exactly ideal conditions. I can understand being put into juvie hall for a year might not be the most ideal situation. But when you're looking at serious crimes, and I once again want to point out, this is 20 charges against him, 20. It, when you don't, when, you, when you're so belligerently not prosecuting a case, it, 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 all you're doing is eroding. I mean, it, two wrongs don't make a right here. The, the, the response to a broken system is to not have zero to limited accountability. And I'm I'm sorry, I just I look at this and here's just and now here's a judge basically saying no 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 you know, I'm and not exactly the most conservative judge either folks. It's not like this is some ha- holdover from Palenti's administration. No. This is a, this is a governor Dayton appointee. And he's saying, "Wait a second here. You're not going to have any real punishment for this guy?" I I've had to come to grips with the sentencing guidelines on the individual the, the drunk driver that hit me who nearly killed me. 
and caused a lot of pain and suffering in my life. And the understanding that the sentencing guidelines for Hennepin County are that the guy doesn't go to jail. And part of me is like, okay, so wait a second here. He almost killed somebody. Doesn't he go to jail? And they said no. If I've got a bad taste in my mouth about that, but I'm begrudgingly willing to go along with it because the Hennepin County Attorney's Office keeps telling me, oh, well, he'll be held accountable. He'll, he'll change. He'll do these things. That's fine. But I don't think the goal then should be to take more serious crimes than this or perpetual repeat offenders like this and do your best to give them the 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 oopsie defense and allow them to, to not have any consequences. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Let's take a break. Come on back. Uh, got to get into book ban- book banning as well. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Once again, the comment that you need to make on the, the Facebook post, the Twitter post, or the Instagram post starting tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. is pay-per-view pass. Okay? Pay-per-view pass. That's the comment you make. Then you'll be entered in to possibly win the pay-per-view pass for the Stephanie Miller Sexy Liberal Comedy Show coming up here on the 21st. A uh, week from Saturday, live on pay-per-view, you could get yourself a pass to go enjoy that yourself. 952-946-6205. I've heard actually from quite a few people that are extremely excited about this because they love Steph. Um, so uh, a recurring story that we have been covering here uh, in various different realms and areas is regards to, you know, place these efforts to ban books. And one of the things which is interesting is that the, the, these book banning people seem to be trying to come up against, at least here in Minnesota, are coming up against a pretty good size anti-banning argument when it comes to county libraries, which are geared towards libraries of, of you know, that are for a lot of different people. Um, you know, there's there there have been sometimes I've I've read adult books where they've had sex scenes in them. Which have you know more than a little blushing. I mean, seriously, um, that there there is there that's in there. So if that stuff's in a public library, I mean, you know, are you yanking all the? Oh, okay, that's okay or not? I mean, it's I, I think, and I'm on board with that. But apparently, the school libraries are where they're kind of focusing themselves now. Which books should the district allow to, on school shelves? And, I, and this is uh, from, uh, I believe, an NPR story. Board members in Minnesota and across the nation have long fielded questions about individual books. Observers, though, say that what used to be occasional concerns about a single book from a parent or two has morphed into confrontations with groups and parents coming in with long lists of titles they see as inappropriate. An online petition circulating in Bloomington has raised questions about at least 29 books in the district's elementary, middle, and high schools that petitioners label as sexually explicit. More than 360 people have added their signatures to the petition, about 40 of whom are current Bloomington school parents and caregivers. Now, I'm one of these people that says 40 people for the Bloomington school district? That's a pretty big freaking school district. How many total parents here are upset about this? Well, 
if you look out there, depending on the school year, they had 10,139 kids one year. They had 9,800. So we can just basically say around 10,000 kids go to the Bloomington public school system. 10,000. Now, this is 40 people here are current Bloomington school parents or caregivers. So it's not really fair to do a one-for-one sort of situation because a parent could have more than one kid. But let's just say we double that 40. We'll just say so that that 40 people who have signed represent eight a total of 80 kids within the Bloomington School District. That is 0.8%. Not even 1%. Less than 1% of the parents in Bloomington are outraged. I'm going to go back to something I have talked about for a while now. If you don't see this, this is a very small group of people who are screaming at the top of their freaking lungs. And they're trying to make it seem like they're the majority by volume. They're not. I want to repeat this. There's somewhere around 10,000 kids in the Bloomington public school system. If 80 if the, the, the parents and caregivers of 80 total kids in that school district have a problem with the book, that is not even 1% of the school students. 1%, not even 1%. It's 0.8%. And frankly, I don't like the idea of less than 1% of a population dictating what the rest of us do. This story gets fairly... Um, a bit of an expose, and it's done well here. Some of the high school books on the list include Vladimir Nabokov's Lolita, Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye. Others feature gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgender characters of scenes involving sex. The elementary books are not sexually explicit, but they do feature transgender characters. The petition says they have a concern emphasizing the uh, emphasis on transgender and transitioning. Uh, okay. It's a a transgender character in a Berenstain Bears book is not going to be the reason why your kid becomes transgender. Okay, I'm just going to let you know, you stupid dumbasses. I mean, if I can be blunt, all right. A transgender character in a Berenstain Bears book is not going to be the straw that breaks that camel's back. And instead, maybe you should ask their kids how they're doing and teaching them to be comfortable in themselves as opposed to screaming about Berenstain Bears or whatever the book is. The boundaries of the debate were on display early this week when the school board's most recent listening sessions as residents spoke out for and against the removing of the books. This issue in front of the board is about sexual explicit and age-appropriate content that is available without restrictions in our school. Lie. But, you know, fine, I'll play up with this. Sarah Steinbach told the board members, removing controversial books would set the district up for a lawsuit, countered Melissa Rock. It would be a huge disservice to our kids. Our kids have identities due to their faith, morals, purpose, and calling. It is not fair for our kids that they do not have to endure the constant barrage of messaging and material in the school environment that runs counter to their values, added Alan Redding. Um... Okay, I'm going to expose just in in your argument, as you say here, faith is not something you're born with. Okay, I'm just going to let you know. 
it's, you know, you, you choose your faith. My kids are Christian. We were Catholic for a long time. Long story. Done a ton of shows on it. Needless to say, I'm Lutheran now. Westwood, love you guys. You guys are great. Now, that all being said, we chose to be the, the Christian faith there. I didn't go through all books and say, well, you can't, for for lack of a better way to say it, you can't read my kid the diary of Anne Frank because there's a Jewish character in there. No, of course not. And my kids read that book and none of them necessarily became Jewish. If they want to, fine. I mean, if that's what they want to do, you know, I want my kids to make their own decisions in life. There you go. I'm not going to be one of these parents who's trying to dictate how my grown children lead their lives. So if you talked about this faith and morals, purpose and calling and stuff like this, so you're telling this, you're not born a religion. That is something that is pushed upon you by your parents. And that is their right to do that. If they, as long as they're not being abusive, well, you just, you know, you choose what you do and don't want to do. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. It's like that counter to their values. I just, I don't know. I, you know, it, it would seem to me that it's, you're, you, when you say faith, you're already acknowledging that you're bestowing certain values on your child. Then you're saying, well, no, but we can't, you know, we can't even allow them to be exposed to other different white ways of thinking. Well, good luck. I mean, I mean, I can't even begin to comprehend how you're going to filter all the books out that, you know, might have a Muslim character in it or or a Jewish character or an atheist character. I mean, I mean, that's the case. I, I just don't know how you're even going to do that if that's, you know, how you want things set up. Maybe your kid just reads the Bible all day long. I don't know. Other speakers expressed dismay over signs displayed in schools and walls and teachers' clothing to indicate trans and bisexual students were welcome at school. Wow. Bloomington School District officials say the books targeted by the parent petition will remain in circulation as the district forms a review committee to study the book's content. Good for you. The books targeted by the ban uh, ban efforts contain LGBTQ plus or African-American characters. Wow. Really? Really? You're trying to ban books that have black characters in them. Wow. And she said the criticism of the books are specific. I'm hearing from our members that a core group of individuals in their district is going online to certain websites where they're finding very specific information about the book that is being spread, she said. And they have sheets they print out that show these individuals exactly which part of the book to attack. And then they challenge them to go into their school libraries and see if those books are there and try to get them removed. So this is not about a book a parent has been exposed to. This is them, it sounds like, going to a website, being told, you need to be outraged at this book. And they say, I'm outraged at this book. And then they print out some things and they storm into their school library and they start scouring the shelves for the books. Which, by the way, is probably the first person in the school library there because most kids don't look at this. They're online. This is called a phone. I don't know if you're aware of what these things are, but they're great. Um, in Bloomington, the petition seeking to get books out of the school's libraries directs supporters 
to a website run by a national organization that rates books according to what it calls objectionable conduct, including profanity, nudity, and sexual conduct. The website also contains instructions on how people can challenge books in school libraries, along with a list of talking points, printable brochures, and helpful hints on how to create their own websites and how to contact lawmakers. For Redding, who has two students in Bloomington schools, signing the petition and showing up to talk to the board on Monday night were important. She said it's been long been trying to get the district to be more politically neutral. Okay, it's not politically neutral. It's basically you don't want people reading about a certain sort of lifestyle, which is a common lifestyle. And so your feeling is that it's too political to even talk about this. I, I, I just – he said he started worrying about books three years ago when his sons and their classmates were assigned reading material that included descriptions of sexual violence and made them and others uncomfortable. It was an affront to what they considered decent and what I, they figured how you should conduct yourself, said Redding. And they were unprepared for how graphic it was going to be and unprepared for how really how dismissive the teaching was on it. Now, I'm going to stop you right there. Right now in the state of Minnesota, and this has been the law for a while, if there's something that is being taught in a school that you object to, you can be omitted from that lesson. So when I hear this guy say, three years ago, there was this buck. Well, as your description is, as your kids, you came home, your kids are slumped in the couch frustrated, sad, confused, scared, and you're like, hey, Junior, what's going on here? Well, I have to read this book that has descriptions of sexual violence that make me feel uncomfortable. Oh, you did? Well, I'll tell you what, let's call the school and then you don't have to do it anymore. And scene. And we are done. And scene. So if you didn't call the school and say, hey, I don't want my kid reading this book, which is your right as a parent and the school will, will go along with that and find a different course or a different lesson so that your child can get the credit. Well, then whose problem is that? It seems like it's it's kind of like one of those things. Part of this so that they can basically sit there and go, Packers! You know, that's that's that sort of thing. And the reality is, is this, is that if you're an active parent and this book came across, and once again, sir, Mr. Redding, if I may, if you don't want your kid to read this book, that is your right. You can go to the school and say, no, that my kids aren't going to read this book. And all your friends that said that all their kids were upset about it too. Done. No one's reading the book. Not Well, not them. Other parents can, but your kid doesn't have to. You coming now and saying, well, wait a second here. That happened three years ago. I mean, the first question I'd had is that when you, when you heard about this book, then why didn't you contact the school and say, I don't want my kid reading this book? I mean, it sounds like what you're trying to do is ban the book for everyone just so that, you know, you don't have to be involved in your kids' day-to-day class activities. And by the way, can I just say this? As a parent myself of my kids, three kids, I'm very happy to be part of my kids' activities. Very powerful. I mean, I think it's important that you are and you know what's going on in your kids' classes. Nationwide, the 2023, 2022-2023 school year, there are more than 3,000 instances of book bans in public and school classrooms and libraries with female LGBTQ plus and authors of color most frequently targeted to coordinated campaigns by vocal minority 
of groups and individual actors, according to PEN America, the group that defends free expression of writers, artists, and journalists. Once again, I want to repeat this for everyone out there, just in case you missed it. If your kid we – just, we just had this with the, the, the private school, the charter school up in Blaine. If you are against a certain book being taught to your kid, the law in the state is that you just have to go to the teacher, say, I, don't, I disagree with this book. The teacher is not going to try to talk you into it. They say, fine, that's no problem. Here we are. Here is the alternative book that they will read, and, and then they need to do the same report that every other kid does. And see – your rights as a parent to remove what you feel is objectionable material from their purview is achieved. You can do that. This is about going in there and basically stopping anyone, less than 1% of the population of the Bloomington School District, less than 1%, basically dictating what the other 99.2% of kids in that school can read. That's pretty bad, man. <laughs> that's, 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 yeah, that's this. I got to, once again, I got to give NPR credit on this because this, they don't pull punches on this. They basically say, oh yeah, this is a small group of people going to these same websites and they're basically just telling them how to be outraged. You know, if you, you know, if, let me, if, if you have to be told what to be outraged about, you're not really outraged. And you're the one being political. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Well, and can I also add one thing to this? I don't know if you got, I mean, if you don't know, I'm a big fan of Last Week Tonight with John Oliver on HBO. The He did a long thing about homeschooling and how basically... You just say, depending on the state, you can just say, I'm going to homeschool my kid, and there's literally nothing else that has to happen. It is it is an unregulated entity in many places by design. And so, you know, when I hear people say this, My kids, all three of my kids went to public school. Not At no point did my kids be told to go to the library. You had to mandatorily check out a book. All right? Every parent was given a syllabus. We had two parent-teacher conferences every year. That's on top of all the event nights, whether that was a speech or a presentation or a science fair or an exhibition. And you, you, so you were active. You knew your teachers' names. You knew your, your, you know the teachers' names. You knew the the principal's name. You knew all these things. You knew what was going on in the classroom. You knew what was going on in the classroom. And at no point did I ever. I mean, I trusted my teachers. They are, they're professionals. They're good. They're smart. They they know what they're doing. And at no point were they trying to force an agenda on something. They were trying to basically educate my kids. That being said, there was nothing stopping me if I said, wait a second, whoa, 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 whoa. you're going to teach, you're going to teach my kids the Berenstain Bears? I can't stand the Berenstain Bears with all their honey and family stuff. They actually do have a few books, which are a little questionable. I'm just going to be honest. They're, they're a product of their time. Let's just put it that way. That being said, 
Or I'll give you a, what? I'll just show Peter Pan. Now, if you've not seen the original Peter Pan from the 1950s, trust me, it has not aged well. I'm not going to just, I'll just say it like that. It is pretty offensive at pretty, at some points. If I went to my, the, the, the teacher, I said, no, 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 I do not want my kids watching Peter Pan in the classroom. Oh, no problem. They might be reading a book in the library, but that was, that's the, the, the option. You have that right as a parent. What is what on a vague ban on things I feel are offensive? That way I can continue to not really focus and pay attention to what my kids are doing. Homeschool your kids. Pay attention to what's in your classroom. If you disagree with something, you can have a different option. You don't have your kid doesn't have to learn that thing. But stop just stop trying to raise other people's kids. And just because, you know, you you know, you've you found a website that tells you how to, to scream groomer at everyone doesn't mean you have a valid point. Nine five two nine four six six two oh five. So once again, uh, we have got uh, a free pay-per-view up for grabs for Stephanie Miller's Sexy Liberal Show coming up on the 21st of October. The way you can get this is tomorrow at 9 a.m. till 2 p.m., Brett is going to have a post up on the AM950 Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram feed. Make sure in the comment section you put pay-per-view pass. That's pay-per-view pass for your chance at winning tomorrow. Plus, we'll give another pair away tomorrow as well. We're back tomorrow. Till then, see ya.